Welcome to the Running After 40 podcast, the podcast about all things related to running at 40 and beyond, produced by www.runningwithgrit.com. We help you stay physically healthy and emotionally strong at any running pace. I'm Sarah, your host, and a wife, a full-time working mom with three kids, three dogs, and a lifetime passion for running. Whether you are a veteran runner looking to maximize your times as a master runner or a brand new jogger starting in your 40s, 50s, or any age, this podcast will be there for your journey. I want to share stories, secrets, and strategies for success. This includes mistakes and lessons learned, all related to running past age 40. Let's hit the play button together and hit the roads as runners with grit after age 40. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 17 of the Running After Age 40 podcast. I have a special guest here today that uh, I actually found via a post on Instagram and she had a very compelling post about perimenopause and menopause and how she wanted to help others so that they could be better prepared for these changes and the times. And I just thought if I could get her on, it would be golden. So I reached out to her and she said, yes. So I'm super excited. And I want to point out if you're a male that started listening to this and you're like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I'm going to say like, keep listening because every woman in your life, she said this in her post, and I'm just going to quote her. Uh, but every woman that you know, will go through these changes. So the more you know about it, the more that you can, you know, just be empathetic and helpful during those times. So Phaedra Kennedy is my guest and she is actually the coach and the owner of PK for performance coaching. And her mission is to help novice and intermediate athletes level up their performance. So again, thank you for coming on Phaedra. I'm going to pass the mic over to you and let you introduce yourself to our listeners. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Sarah. Um, well, what do we need to know about me? <laughs> You've introduced me. Um, I am a triathlon and run coach, and I'm a budding strength coach, I like to say, because um, strength training is something that's always sort of been a part of my journey. And then over the last few years, I've taken multiple certifications to sort of bring that into my um, repertoire of things that I offer athletes. Um, I'm located in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Um, I am married. I don't have any kids. Um, I've been running for well over 20 years. I've covered every distance from 5k to the marathon. Um, and I've been doing triathlon for almost as long, probably about 15 years. And I've done every distance from sprint to Ironman. So I've done a little bit of everything. (laughs) I just wanted to ask which Ironman did you do? Um, Lake Placid was my first. Okay. And then Switzerland was my second. Oh, and this year I am training for my third um, in Germany. It's a challenge Roth. So it's not an Ironman branded race. It's uh, a challenge family race. So it's a little different, but the distance is the same. Okay. That's awesome. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer the running training or the triathlon training? Or is it kind of just like a mix for you in between? It's a mix for me. It really is. Because even when I'm running, like if I'm just training for a marathon, I'll still swim and I will Mm -hmm. still ride. Like they're great cross training activities. The volume of those will be less, um, but I'll still do them. Okay. That's cool. So I ask all the guests on the show, like, how did you originally get into running and also for you triathlon, like participating in triathlons? 
Okay. So for running, um, I started that as a way to lose weight. So that was like 1997. So long, long time ago. Um, I, I was 27 years old at the time. Um, and I was like slightly overweight and you know, I just finished university and, uh, I thought, okay, I need to do something. So I just started run walk like okay. on my own. Um, and I would like run for two minutes, walk for one minute, run for two minutes, one for walk, walk for one minute. And I did that until, um, I sort of would continue to expand on the running and then keep the walk break at like 30 seconds or a minute until I got to 30 minutes straight. And at that point I was like, okay, maybe I can run a 5k maybe. And I had a pedometer. Like, I don't even know if you remember what those I had were. one too. Yes. Right. Yes. One of those. I totally, yes. You know, okay. You're running basically around five kilometers. If it was accurate, who knows? Yes. Uh, this was before GPS watches. That's right. Um, I had a Timex Ironman watch that I used to time myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Hey, they're good watches though. I, I loved my right? Timex Ironman. Yeah. So I had that, I had that for years. But I thought, okay, I'm going to try and do a 5K race. So I did the, um, in October here, we have a a run for the cure because it's breast cancer month. And my grandma had passed from breast cancer and my aunt had had it. So I thought, okay, I'm going to raise money and I'm going to do that. And I did that. And I was like, oh my God, it was so much fun. I was totally hooked at that Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Totally hooked. So I spent the next year sort of trying to find as many like 5k and 8k races as possible. And then I went up to the 10k distance and I think I raced like once a month, probably. Yeah. Yeah. For that next year. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do a half marathon. And then it was just a slippery slope from that point. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, That's, that's fabulous. It's so funny because like people don't realize how, how different it is now, like with the garments and all these activity trackers, like the pedometer or like, I don't know if you used to have to drive your routes, you know, to track it, to see how far you'd gone, you know, like those days it's just sometimes I kind of miss that, but wow, you've been doing this a long time and have done a lot of fantastic things. That's cool. How do you, how do you think it's changed? Maybe you could talk about like post 40, kind of use that, or even if it was where, where you felt like age kind of started to become a different animal or beast, I guess, as far as Um, I would say it's funny because in my forties, all my PBs were set in my forties, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, And I think that is just a combination of experience. Uh, I changed. Way I trained, right? When I started doing longer distances, I was I would say that I was more of a, a timid runner. I never really liked to push myself hard. I wanted to just keep everything easy. Um, and it wasn't until I started adding speed work in um at appropriate intervals during my training, right? Like not all the time, not every yeah. run was um then I started to see like my time started to drop and then Um, I ran my first marathon and I was like just under four hours. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and qualify for Boston. And that was before Boston got insane to get into like, yeah. And the qualifying times it was still fast, but not like you didn't have to be five minutes faster than your qualifying time to get in. So my second marathon, I took 21 minutes off my time. 
and I managed to qualify for Boston. And that was by adding speed work in. And that was sort of like, okay, now I know speed work yeah. is necessary. Um, and I, I managed to run Boston, didn't have the greatest experience there. I was like, oh God, it was probably one of my worst runs ever, but it was still amazing. Yeah. 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 And then once I did that, it was, you know, I moved into triathlon and then we started to try and have kids. Right. And that took somewhere else entirely changed my body. As we were talking about offline, um, my body was my own at that point. Mm -hmm. And then once we decided that we were jumping off that fertility wagon, I decided, okay, I'm taking control of my body again. So I started to go to the gym. And at this point in time, I was almost 40. So I started going to the gym. I started lifting heavy. I changed my diet a little bit. Um, I just stopped eating like a lot of processed food essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and started cooking more. So that transformed me completely. And it also transformed my running. Yeah. So the heavy lifting I was doing made me way stronger and way faster. So I set pretty much every PB that I, I, I ran like the year I turned 42, I think I set my half marathon PB, my marathon PB, my 10 K PB, my AK PB was the year before. Um, yeah, <laughs> all at 42. <laughs> Let's dig into that a little bit. Cause I'm curious, like the lifting heavy, did you get yourself a coach at that time or did you were you researching it or like, how did you know what to do? Um, there was a lot of research involved in that time. I was, I had, um, I started following a company called precision, precision nutrition. Yeah. And I sort of trying to dial in on how I was eating. And they also talked about strength training there. Um, but you know, they were more about body transformation. So, you know, I did do one of the lifting plans that they had and realistically Uh that was much more geared towards body transformation than athletic training. But for me, it just, it helped me become stronger. And I think that was the all the ultimate takeaway from that. Was it exactly what I should have been doing as a runner? Yeah, you know, maybe not all the things that I did, but it, it helped me become stronger and faster. And I just put on, I put on muscle. Like I didn't have muscle before I put on muscle, but I wasn't bulky because I was running. Yeah. Right. It's always that misconception. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get huge. No, No, you're not huge. You're not. If you are a runner, you are not going to get big. It is impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, how did your injury, like, were you RG, did you have, were you more injury prone, I guess, before? Or did you see a difference with that too, with the weight training? Uh, I did see a difference with that. Um, I did have a few small nagging injuries before I started strength training, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tight piriformis, tight hips, um, some sciatic issues. And once I started lifting, I didn't have any of that. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I mean, I took mobility pretty seriously, you know, after every workout, I'd always do some kind of foam rolling or some other type of soft tissue work. Um, so that really helped as well. Right. And as you age, that's just becomes what you need to do period. Right. Like you got to prepare your body because 
It's the only one you got. And as you age, everything starts to sort of deteriorate. So yes, yes, that's true. That's true. But I mean, your proof though, like 42 is that's remarkable that you were able to set those PRs and be so consistent at that. So I think it just, it, it does show the lifting and the, the nutrition really does work. No doubt yeah, about it. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go into the change. I love how you described it in your Insta, like in your post. I mean, you just, it it was all just, it resonated so much. You talked about it being like menopause, the mental pause. Um, I'm just reading verbatim from some of it, the change, the phase of life that happens to every single woman, but yet it hardly gets spoken about. And you talked about how there's a gaping hole in information for active women and that, you know, just going through perimenopause, like things stop working. And I'd love to hear just your description of what you wrote about the three different, you know, things that were happening to you and how you dealt with it and just any recommendations you have for other women out there. Yeah, they, it like, I started to notice that where I really started to notice things changing was in my body composition. So Mm -hmm. I was doing all the, all the normal things, but I started to put on weight through my midsection and I was like, what's happening? Why do I have this little paunch? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm a pretty slim, uh, woman and to start to get that, like, and I could see visceral fat around my belly button. Like, you know, when you can just sort of see the bumps and all, and I was like, what, what's going on? Like why? Yeah. And then my started getting really out of whack. Like they were never, um, super consistent. Like I had endometriosis, so I always had okay. like periods. Yeah. So as I got older, I thought maybe that would change. And then, you know, some of the surgeries I had were supposed to help with that. Um, but then they started, it was like, you know, 21 days, 14 days, and then I'd go like 42 days and then mm-hmm. it was just heavy and awful. And it was like, Oh my God, what is happening? What is yeah. going on? So then I went to my doctor and I was just like, this is what's going on with me. Like, I, I don't even know. And I get the occasional night sweats. Yeah. But you know, sometimes I'd just chalk that up to like a heavier training day or too much sugar or whatever. Right? Yeah. Me too. Yep. Um, and then so she was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's, maybe you're starting like perimenopause. And I was like, what? Like I was only 45. Mm-hmm. So then she did a hormone panel and checked my FSH. And she was like, yep, you're starting the change. And that's what she said to me, the change. And I was just started laughing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> what am I doing to? <laughs> exactly. Crazy person. That's what I feel like. That's right. <laughs> Um, and you know, at the time I worked at a, in a very high stress job, I worked in advertising and I was a producer at a commercial photography studio. So it was like, you know, I'd go from zero, not being busy to, oh my God, the sky is mm-hmm. falling. Get this quote done. Like in five yeah. minutes, you'd produce this job for next week and you have, you know, three days and it's like, oh my God. So super high stress. And when I started, I'd been doing it for years. So when I started the job, I just remember being pretty even keel and, you know, you know, like every took everything in stride. And then as I started to get into the change, um, my, my threshold for, um, BS Uh (laughs) Uh drop and I got pretty anxious and I get pretty stressed out. 
So people would be like, okay, we need this by X. And then I would just lose it. I'd mm-hmm. like I'd literally snap. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I can't, I can't do that. Blah, 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 blah. And, and then there'd be moments with my husband, he'd say something and it would just like, I'd be fine. And then whatever it was that he would say would just completely set me off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People, the rage welling inside me. And I was like, this yeah. is not normal. This yeah. is not behavior. Like, why do I feel like this? Uh, right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, I had no control. Like I had no control over that happening. And I felt so bad. Like once I realized after reading and, you know, hearing other people talk about this, I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is perimenopause. Like yeah. this is why women lose their, <laughs> you know, bleep. <laughs> this yes, is it's true. Bad. It's true. Yes, it so, is. It is a real thing. Does it happen to everybody? I don't know, but it does happen to some women and it happened to me and it was horrible. Like I just, I felt awful, you know, I'd say something and then like mean, and then I'd be like, okay, oh my God, no, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Oh yeah. It was a really stressful time. And the anxiety is also in the one that it was, you know, um, pretty high. I would lose, I would have like sleepless nights and I'd stress over things more than I used to. And I, and, you know, in retrospect, I'm going to say that that also perimenopause, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your hormones dictate a lot. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So men should be paying attention when their wives start to do this. Don't take it personally. <laughs> so true. Yeah. That's why I said at the outset, like, don't stop listening. You need to listen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it does happen. So then, okay. We talked about just kind of the, the rage and how that happens and how your body was changing. I'd love to know like what you did at the time. Like you, you were realizing when, once you went to the doctor and then you found out, okay, this is what's going on. Like what helped you? Exercise. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 100% exercise um, and trying to get quality sleep, like yeah. obviously very difficult. And I, I didn't realize the rage um, was a symptom of perimenopause until much later. I think until I had gone through menopause, I didn't yeah. realize like a very recent thing that I realized that is actually a symptom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the exercise obviously helps immensely. Um, and they say that, uh, women that exercise through perimenopause and menopause generally handle it a little bit better than women who don't. And their symptoms are generally a little bit less intense. Um, I can't imagine (laughs) what Mm -hmm. it would be like if I didn't exercise, honestly. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I would be a sweaty puddle every day. I think if I didn't exercise, Mm Yeah, but you can also see like the the flip side where if somebody wasn't, it would be a really hard time to start, you know, like, because we know that because we already exercise. So we like, like we realize like it's a coping mechanism to help with emotional, like it just helps with everything. Right. But if you hadn't, and then someone's like, you read that and you're like, oh, exercise is good. Gosh, I'm like, oh my goodness. It'd be really, really hard to start at that time too. Did you... Um, so you already were doing like the heavy lifting. Did you make any other changes, like as far as muscle mass goes and stuff like to try to combat 
some of it? Like, did you make any like strategic things during that time or you just kind of kept training similar? I kept training similar. Um, and the lifting did start to wane. Um, I had a coach I was training for, um, this is back in 2014. So I was training for uh, a half Ironman and the Boston marathon at the same, like same time. Um, Boston was first. And then the half, the half Ironman was eight weeks after Boston. So I hired a coach and he was like, well, you know, I'm not a big proponent of heavy lifting. And I was just like, what? Yep. And I didn't know any better at the time. So I was yeah. like, okay. And he gave me some body weight stuff. Okay. But yeah, I should have not listened to him and I should have just continued doing what I was doing. And at that point I started to lose muscle mass. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a challenge over the years to start to put that back on. Right. Once I started doing long distance triathlon, that was where I really struggled. It was easier for me to balance heavy lifting with the running, but then the the three sport, Uh Uh it's difficult. Um, you know, and also a male coach, not now most, I I shouldn't generalize, but, um, I think a lot of male coaches back then, again, there wasn't a lot of research. Um, so, you know, what do they know? Yeah. And it's becoming much more prevalent um, you know, Stacey Sims has made that, made all of her knowledge very available. Um, and I think more male coaches are realizing that they have to treat their female athletes differently, um, in terms of programming and what's required, especially if they're older female athletes, right? You can't, you can't train them the same way you would train a younger female athlete no. or male mm-hmm. athletes it just doesn't work. So there's been a lot more rest and recovery required in my training now than previously. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you're competing at such a high level now for as far as recovery goes, like what, what specifically do you do? Um, I focus on getting a good night's sleep first and foremost. Mm -hmm. That is like, you know, stick to a bedtime routine. Um, I use whoop to track my sleep so I can sort of see, you know, what I'm doing and what affects my sleep. And I know, I know, right now I can tell you there are like two things that affect my sleep, uh, my quality of sleep. And that is if I'm not properly hydrated, I don't Uh sleep well. And if I drink alcohol, surprise. Yeah. (laughs) Um, those two things affect my sleep. So, you know, I try to steer clear of alcohol. I mean, I still drink from time to time, but certainly not like I used to. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then I just make sure that I stay on top of hydration because, you know, once you perimenopause starts to happen and and you get into menopause, you lose that thirst sensation, right? We just don't have those same cues. So I am forcing myself to drink a lot of water and, or, uh, electrolyte beverages. So I just stay on top, try and stay on top of my hydration and that helps with recovery as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hydration. Yep, that makes sense. Sure that I eat appropriately after workouts too, like fuel for the activity that I'm doing, um, and then after afterwards, make sure I take in either the appropriate hydration uh, or nutrition, depending on how long or how hard the session was. Mm-hmm. So, do you take any supplements, or did you during, especially like during the perimenopause phase? Oh, yeah. I take all the things. Okay. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I did try adaptogens for a while and Stacey yeah. Sims talks about those. Um, 
I tried so many different things. Some things worked and then they stopped working. And then mm-hmm. I just, I gave, I was like, I just, I gave up. Um, and my symptoms seem to be sort of subsiding now. I, I still get hot flashes, um, but I don't, I can't really figure out what triggers them all the time. Sugar is a trigger for sure. Um, but I don't know what else triggers them. Sometimes they're really bad. And sometimes I go weeks without, you know, maybe having a couple. So I, oh, I'm still trying to find a pattern. In that. Um, but I did try adaptogens and right now I take, uh, vitamin D B, uh, B complex and fish oil plus some okay. stuff and melatonin. I take melatonin at night. And honestly, yep. that is been the best thing I've taken for my sleep. I sleep through the night, I will wake up a couple times to go pee, but mm-hmm. I can get. So that's been a game changer for me. And that was from, I just, I tried that from working with a naturopath because I was having all sorts of stomach issues and she helped me with those. And she said, try melatonin for sleep. I was like, all right, yeah. one yeah. thing I had tried and it works for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's awesome. What about though, let's go back to the hot flashes for just a second. Cause one of the things that you had in your post was about like the exercising in the heat and Mm -hmm. how you had to change some of your cooling strategies. So I'm curious, uh, maybe it's a two part question. It's just managing the hot flashes in general. And you mentioned like the sugar um, and not being able to find the triggers, but what about like managing um, staying cool while exercising? So yeah, this summer was particularly brutal in, in Toronto. It was very humid. So I would either go out super early. Mm-hmm. Um, I always make sure I went into a workout well hydrated because when I didn't, I died. I yeah. absolutely died. Um, and I would bring a, like a frozen water bottle with me. So I like lots of chunked ice in it. Uh-huh. Uh, or you can only make a little slurry, you blend the ice up. So the water is like your beverage is like a slushy essentially. Yep. Um, and I would do that. Um, I also started experimenting with cooling towels. So mm-hmm. you wear one around your neck. Um, it's wet and whatever is in it makes you, keeps you cool yep. because you like there are, you know, very veins that go through your neck, major arteries that go through your neck. Um, so that helps keep you cool. Um, so those were the things that I, I worked on, uh, over the course of the summer. And I think, you know, for the most part, getting out early was the, the key, um, before the sun came up, but there were some days I just couldn't do that. So I would go and it would be like a million degrees at 9am and I'd be dying, but, you know, making sure I just stayed on top of hydration and drinking cold fluids. I would drink something really cold before I left as well. So then, you know, your internal body temperature starts to lower when you're drinking something cold. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's really good advice. So you've already mentioned a few of the tools and one of the apps that you use for sleeping. Are there any other tools, apps, books, uh, you know, just overall, like things that help you as a, just an athlete and going through the perimenopause and menopause? Yes. Roar by Stacey Sims. Okay. Get on that book. It is well worth, well worth it. Um, I think I bought it back in like 2018 and like, it is highlighted bookmarked. Like I, have. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. 
there's so much information in there for uh, female endurance athletes. It's well worth it. Um, that was my go-to. And then um, for women that are perimenopausal, postmenopausal, there is a podcast called Hit Play, Not Pause. Um, Celine Yeager uh, does it. And it is, again, a goldmine of information. Um, they talk to all sorts of different experts on their strength and conditioning experts, nutritionists, um, other female endurance athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God. I, the list goes on. It's, mm-hmm. it's so informative. Um, what else gear that I can't live without? Uh, oh, the wild AI app. It's, uh, it's free and it is also something that I was kind of playing with a little while ago. And it was pretty interesting in terms of what it, uh, gives you for recommendations. So it can net, you know, you can upload your training to it and it'll give you recommendations on, um, what you should be eating. Mm. Uh, you should be eating it after your workout, um, supplementation you may want to consider. Um, it's a good one. Okay. And you can choose your phase of life. So if you are postmenopausal, you can choose that as your phase of life. If you're a perimenopausal, you can choose that as your phase of life. You can track your cycle in there if you're still getting periods. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very cool. And Stacy Sims helped develop that app too. So okay, okay, okay. Wow, I'm 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 taking copious notes. So the people that they're listening to this on the run or while they're working out, you know, this will all be logged, so you can just go to the links. But these are great. So. You are a coach, obviously, and so I would love to hear just how maybe you personally set your own goals, but also how you help your clients set theirs, you know, during these specific years. During COVID times? (laughs) Well, that's even different. Yeah, COVID times, but also just being older. I mean, COVID, I think, throws a different, you know, wrench into it, but I think just, you know, I know you set your PRs later, you know, so just how do you kind of set that mindset, I guess, in your clients? Well, it's, we got to look at sort of what, where, what their background is mm-hmm. and, you know, how realistic is their goal in terms of where they're at now and where, you know, we want them to be, how much time do we think it's going to take? Yeah. And that's the big thing, right? Like, you know, if it's a really big goal, then sometimes it, just takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like someone trying to get to Boston. Yes. That's a, that's a big one. And sometimes it'll happen. Sometimes it won't happen. It mm-hmm. just depends on how much the person's willing to put into, um, their goal. Yep. Right. Um, but it's always a hard thing to say, because sometimes, you know, you do all the right things and it still doesn't happen. It's true. Yes. So, yeah, but I think the beauty of that is, is like, you realize as you get older that, you know, you set these goals, but in reality, like, even if you don't make it, it's still just like how far you came in the process, you know? Yeah. And I don't think I had that wisdom when I was younger, but it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, okay, you might've said you wanted to run this specific time. And it's like all about that, but actually running that time's not what's going to make you happy. It's like all the buildup and all the personal growth that happened during the workouts and the day-to-day training, you know? 
100%. That is something that I try to instill in all of the athletes that I coach. You know, the the race, the result, that is the end the end yeah. goal. That's like the celebration of all the hard work you put yourself through, but yeah. where you really grow is in all that hard work. Yep. Right? That is where you really find yourself and what you're made out of. The race is just sort of like is, is the cherry on top. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about you? Like, what are you going to do? I know you mentioned you're going to Germany to, Mm -hmm. are you looking further than that? Like in setting uh, other races on the calendar or are you just going to take, how do you do that? So I think I've been thinking about this actually, like, what do I want next year to look like? Uh Uh, I'm going to do a half Ironman in May. So I'm going to be in Chattanooga to do that. And then uh, challenge Roth is in July. And then after that, I've got like the summer to play. Now I know how I get when I I'm training for, uh, an Ironman. Like it's a lot, it's a lot. It is a lot like a part-time job. And at that point, when I finish, I may be like, "Eh, I don't want to do anything else, but there's part of me that, you know, in October, I think I would like to run a half and uh, a half marathon and just see where I can go. I mean, I don't know that I'll ever get close to my PB, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, I'd like to run a half marathon. And then I want to take another crack at breaking 20 minutes for 5k. I did. Ah. I tried mm-hmm. this year and I picked not the most appropriate race course. Yeah. So I think, um, I may take another go at that after, uh, doing Roth. Cause I'll have a huge base of running. <laughs> Yeah, that's some speed. So that might be something that I look at doing in the late fall. Um, I was close. I was really close, but it didn't happen. So, um, and that'll be a PB for me. So, you know, who's to say you can't set a PB yet. I'll be what 51 next year. Let's see if that happens. Yeah. I I love the the diversity in your distances though. Cause like going to run a 5k in 20 under 20 is very, very, very different from the long distance. So it's, that's really cool. I like that. Uh, I'm going to have to take note of that, but that's, that's (laughs) cool. (laughs) Yeah. I keep things interesting and you know, I mean, it, it is very different and it just, you know, going from that huge endurance volume. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah something short and fast at the end of the year is actually kind of perfect. So I think, you know, for me, that might be the best time for me to give that a go. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, as we wrap up, I guess, do you have any other tips or words of wisdom? And it can be, you know, if you want to talk more about the perimenopause and menopause, or if you just want to talk about fitness in general, Um, but anything else that you would like to share? Oh, like, oh my God, I could go on and on mm-hmm. and on. I will say, um, you know, the journey through perimenopause and into menopause is hard. It is, it's not easy. Your body goes through all sorts of weird things. And, you know, this is something that I've been struggling with. My shape has changed immensely. My clothes mm-hmm. fit me differently. Um, and just in the last year, like when I turned 50, it was just like, you know, all of a sudden I turned into a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, trying to sort of come to terms with that, it's hard, Yeah. but it's just, I have to sort of look outside of that and focus on 
what I'm still able to do. And sometimes that's the hard mindset shift, right? Because you don't feel the same, you don't move the same, you don't look the same, but I mean, you're evolving. And yeah. that's what I'm trying to say, you know, I don't say I'm aging, I'm evolving. I like um, it. And I, I'm going to attribute that to Keith Richards. I cannot own that. I heard him say that. And I was like, that is genius. If anyone can own that, Keith yes. Richards. Um, so, you know, and that's the way I got to look at it. It's like, okay, well, I'm just a different version of myself now. So I'm trying to be a little kinder to myself. And I think that that's one thing I would say to every woman that's going through this, you're going to be grumpy. You're going to be like upset that your clothes don't fit. Yeah. Uh, But you know, it's not the end of the world. As long as you can still do what you love physically, then ultimately that's, that's what we got to look at, right? You can still stay active. You can still run. You can still lift. You can still do all those things. Then I say that's a good place to be. Yeah, I I agree. And share with us, uh, you, you, I'll put it in the show notes too, but if you just want to share your Instagram handle and your website so people know for coaching purposes where they can find more about you and what you offer. Yes. Okay. So on Instagram, I am coach. P dot K, I do believe. <laughs> I can't yeah. I'm pretty we'll team. link it anyway. So it's all good. Yeah. But that's where you hang out mostly for social. Is that right? Yeah. Like I used to be on Twitter and I was just like, I can't, I can't keep up with everything. Uh-uh, so okay. mm-hmm. and as someone who comes from a fine art background, I like the visual. So that's mm-hmm. where you'll find me. Yeah. Uh, and then my website is pkperformancecoaching.com. And like I said, we'll link those in the show notes. Well, thank Perfect. you so much. I think the listeners are going to love this episode. I mean, I, I just have like so many little takeaways. I know we just finished up with the last part where you said, you know, I'm not aging. I'm not, I'm, I'm evolving. And yeah. And it might not be your words, but they're definitely memorable ones that I think we can learn from. And just thinking of it as being a different version of ourselves and it's not, not worse, not better, you know, it's just different. So I, I like that. And I think some of these other resources are going to help too. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It's been great. Thanks for listening to the Running After Age 40 podcast. If you like the show, please be sure to rate and give us a like in iTunes. Also check out our website, www.runningwithgrit.com for all things related to running over the age of 40. We have a special gift guide up for the holidays on the site designed to share stocking stuffer ideas and gifts for runners at pretty much every price. Thanks for listening.